The people of Hablon, the habitat of the League of Orbital Nations, have been through a lot over the past several centuries. They developed a revolutionary, flexible, and heat-absorbing material called silica graphene mesh, or SGM. They invented nanotechnology and artificial intelligences far more advanced than those found anywhere else on or near Earth. Using these technologies and the shell of abandoned debris surrounding the Earth, they built a new home in the stars. From there, they made first contact with alien life, the Centaurans, a cybernetic fish people from Alpha Centauri, and the Andromedans, sapient gas clouds from the Andromeda Galaxy. They were the first to be warned of the Emergency, a massive galactic parasite that consumes all civilizations it finds, drawn by signals no one else can detect or understand. The traditional powers of Earth did not like any of this, and created weapons to humble and destroy Hablon and the Upstart League. These weapons backfired in what came to be known as the Mistake, turning deadly squid-like machines on their own creators. At the same time, the emergency finally arrived in the Earth's sphere. Using its engines and orbital mechanics, Hablon fled to the asteroid belt with as many people as it could carry, determined to hide until the emergency left. A deadly new battle station built by the wealthiest nations on Earth pursued, hoping to take Hablon for its own privileged passengers, the Solar Free State. No one knows what became of those left behind on the Earth. Out in the asteroid belt, the people of Hablon agreed to allow the passengers of the pursuing battle station to take refuge in their habitat. This turned out to be a mistake, as the military and corporate overlords of the station staged a violent assault with the goal of taking all of Hablon for themselves. A great war raged, invisible to the world outside. The battle station installed itself in the skies of Hablon as an ersatz sun. The people of Hablon seeded their atmosphere with hostile nanomachines. The people of the false sun gained the upper hand through chemical attacks and a lucky hack, and decimated the population of the habitat in a few short weeks. They had won control of Hablon, but could not live there themselves. Instead, they set up a puppet government, destroyed an entire generation, and created a fictional new culture and religion to control the people below. Through genetic and technological tampering, they abbreviated the lives of the people on Hablon and robbed them of their heritage, even harvesting their bodies to house the consciousnesses of the solar free state elite until a solution could be found to the deadly nanomachines. Hundreds of years later, a group of youths learned the truth and took the battle to the sun itself, destroying it and ending its cruel reign. Humans who had survived elsewhere in the asteroid belt, the Hygeans, came to wage war as well, but instead found an unlikely peace in the wake of the sun's destruction. Unfortunately, this climactic battle drew the attention of the emergency. Now, an uneasy alliance of humans and aliens seek to revitalize the ravaged Hablon and build a new life together. The emergency is coming. Someday. Until then, life must go on. These are the continuing stories of a broken sun. Thank you.
Welcome back, everyone. I'm Matt. I'm your friendly guide here on Stories of a Broken Sun. We are in the interstice between seasons two and three. We have left the specters of a broken sun behind, but they are not forgotten, and are wending our way towards our next story. To do so, we are playing, I'm sorry, did you say Street Magic? A city-building story game by Caro Assertion. You can uh, pick it up at C-Excursion, S-E-A Excursion. .itch.io if you want a copy of it, which you should, because it is excellent, as I'm sure all of the people joining me today can attest. Very good. Hell yeah. And speaking of the people who are joining me today, you just heard from two of them. Uh, let's start with Velvet. Oh, it me. Dark greetings, all of you. Uh, thank you for showing up and listening to our uh, second installment um, yep. of this game. You can find me on the interwebs at OG Brown Sugar. And uh, I'm not apologizing for triggering the emergency. <laughs> well, you shouldn't. <laughs> You're also joined by Michael Blood. Hi, everyone. It's still me, Michael Blood. Uh, my pronouns are they, them. And you can find me on Twitter at GoodSirBlood if you're so inclined. Uh, thanks for listening to the second episode of I'm Sorry, Did You Say Street Magic? We have Trudy with us today. Hi, I'm Trudy. My pronouns are they, them. And I absolutely love the system. So please go pick it up. And finally, we have got Keekers with us. Hi, everyone. Me, Keekers, also known as Be a Space Cat. My pronouns are she slash her. And I'm just excited to see where, how the emergency is going to digest us and, and how that's going to go down. Me too. Uh, so I'm Matt or Arp. My pronouns are he or they. You can find me on Twitter at Ycaliber. Follow the show at Broken Sun RPG or visit our website at brokensunrpg.com. We decided we were going to start this sequence with uh, drawing a random card. But first off, I'd like to acknowledge on the stolen territory of the Katsi, Coquitlam, Stalo, Kwantlen, Staminas, and Musqueam people and the treaty land of the Tawasan First Nation. Please continue to support Indigenous land protectors in every way that you can. So um, I'm just going to pick the middle card. I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah, let's do it. The Moon's Emissary. Huh? Oh. Moon. Okay, this one's very good. All right. I know that moon guy. I beat him up in Bloodborne. <laughs> oh, this is very cool. Fun. Do we have, do we eat all the umbilical cord? <laughs> where my mind was going was the moon will join your coalition. All I can think of is that's no moon. <laughs> so many different <laughs> So little time. Um, what is it though? What is well, the cemetery? I first need to figure out where he appears. So... Uh, let's see, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We have eight neighborhoods, so I'm going to roll an eight-sided die, if I can find one. How long has it been since Keba came out of her hair cocoon of anxiety? Hey, I have one here. Long time. <laughs> A long time. <laughs> okay, so the three medical, the free medical hospital compound, there Ooh. are three... Areas in there. I'm going to roll the six-sided die and do it as a three d three, one. So the nexus. Uh, this makes sense. Okay, put my dice away. Probably won't need them for a while. Uh, so the nexus is a black marble pyramid repository of combined knowledge and historical records maintained by a council made up of different representatives from different factions. It's meant to ensure the historical revision on the scale of the Gov incident does not occur again. Its true name is Imposing Dissonant Chanting, The Smell of Old Tomes, Cold. And the Antiquarian works there, who we know as Chain Solomon, uh, who was a member of the Surface Liberation Front back on the sun before the sun crashed. I guess we can figure out where the husk of the sun is later on. Uh, so, for this event, the emergency has already happened. 
As we recall from the end of the last episode, it arrived, it consumed the habitat. Everyone had weird sets of alternate memories and memories of the past, the present, and potential futures. And you awoke finding that your city, uh, which we still haven't named, is the only thing that appears to be left. You have strange twilight sky above you with different colored stars and celestial bodies floating out in it. Um, and there's an arc of the solar array uh, hanging over the city, sort of on an angle. But beyond that, the rest of Hablon appears to have disappeared. And, you know, when scouts have gone out to the city outskirts, they just sort of look down and it's just space down there. We're in a sort of a disc world type situation where you could just walk and fall off the edge of the world. It's not round here. It's just, it's a flat segment. It's your city. And then that's it. And are we going to send someone over the edge in a exploratory device to see if we're on top of a giant oh, turtle? That's a very good question. Have someone reverse repel off the edge of the world. <laughs> uh, classic callbacks. So I think one day, while people are still picking themselves up, probably, you know, a week or so after the emergency came, people are dusting themselves off, trying to figure stuff out. There's panic. There's probably some rioting as you would expect. But for the most part, people are pulling together because it's a disaster and people are trying to take care of each other in this time. And uh, Chains is still working in the in the Nexus. And uh, I think he is in the middle of his children's story time. Because yes. uh, the antiquarian we've got here, Chain Solomon, beloved NPC, amazing hero who wears chains or is maybe made out of chains. We're not sure. He wears a new cassock and has a daily children's reading hour. His true name is interesting, cheery, mysterious, and deeply stylish. Probably regretful tagged on there as well. So he is oh. reading a story to a group of children uh, at the top of the pyramid. Quick sidebar. Yeah. Heros there listening? Do you think Heros would be there listening? Well, okay. In the five years that have passed, how much emotionally has Heros progressed? Probably five years worth. So she was about a five-year-old. <laughs> mentally or not mentally five-year-old emotionally in terms of her social development uh when last we saw her so she'd probably be you know I, I don't really know how much older and and wiser she would be in that way she's not really my character so i can't say uh she's not necessary I, I mean i have partial custody but mike is the final say so part of me was thinking like oh she's there trying to help chains probably then yeah okay so Haros is also here, you know, green skinned, black haired. What is, uh, how does she dress these days? Probably like a, a little bit like, uh, Keva probably ended up in a, something poncho adjacent. Mm -hmm. She's still got those red, red shoes with the white stripe on them though. Naturally. A candy striper. <laughs> yes. Well, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. So I think, you know, all the kids know and probably love Haros because she's great and, She's very straightforward with them, like she's not particularly interested in or indeed capable of dissembling like a lot of adults do when talking to children. So she's always just very straightforward um, with the kids and kids respond well to that kind of attitude. So she is there and Chains is reading from a story. And, uh, you know, there's all these little kids, probably, you know, five to eight ish in age. So kids born, uh, you know, around when this town was founded in that range, when the city was founded. Does that mean that there's a Satoran child there? Why not? Whose name is eating some cheese. Wonderful experience. Can I have some more? <laughs> I don't see why not. I mean, that's a haiku. <laughs> what kind of fish is this kid? Hmm. I want to say yellowfish. Is that a kind of fish or is 
Not just a color. Like a yellow tang or butterfly fish. That's it. Okay. Because I looked it up and there is a kind of fish just called yellow fish. <laughs> well, now I have to see what that looks like and I'll tell you if I change my mind. It's very standard fish. It's a ray-finned fish from the genus Labiobarbus. Labiobarbus? Oh, is it is it the one that looks like the fish that was obsessed with bubbles and finding... If you want this to be a butterfly fish, I mean, that's a more visually striking creature. Mm, yes. Let's go with butterfly fish. And it is has actual yellow coloration, unlike the yellow fish, mm. which is not yellow. Mm. At least I wouldn't call that yellow. I, I think it's sm- smallmouth yellow fish, which is yeah. a little yellow, but not as yellow as I would like it to be. All right. So there's a centauran child in amongst this uh, group of mostly humans. But, you know, because members of the hygiene fleet have integrated here, there's probably also people who have, uh, you know, hereditary gene mods. You know, some have maybe like a cat ears kind of thing going on. Some just have strange swirls and whirls of colored skin. Some have hair that goes in interesting ways. And the kids are all listening raptly because Shane Solomon is nothing if not a born entertainer. And he's in the midst of saying, And of course, that was when we finally saw, rising from the depths, the great tentacles of... And then there's uh, an explosion in the side of the room. Just... And Chains and Haros immediately move to protect the children from that direction. Chains, his cassock sort of erupts into a wall of metal chains with his head floating in the midst of them and saying, Stay back, children! And Haros is uh, in a a fighting stance. Those have a gigantic sword now i don't think she's got a sword with her at children's story time in the library but (laughs) (laughs) she she might have that at home somewhere uh so the kids are you know screaming a little bit but they are also mostly curious so you can see some of them like trying to push apart some of the cords of chain to look through and see what's going on can you see anything and there's uh in one wall of the top of the pyramid here i kind of assume the tip of the pyramid in the nexus is like transparent you can look in and out of it i didn't make this landmark so you'll have to tell me if i'm wrong here that's velvets uh yeah i believe there is can i just one little thing i want it to be colored glass because i don't want it to look like there is no tip because then it would be the unfinished pyramid which is a masonic symbol or whatever Okay, well, we don't want that. Yeah, very, yeah, very American too. So it's kind of like mm. okay. So there's a you know maybe stained glass of some sort depicting different stories throughout history of the of the cultures. Those let's see, a pyramid has four sides. Am I thinking of the right shape? Yes, a pyramid has four sides. So each one of the glass faces here would have like one of them has stained glass showing important history from the Hablon peoples, one the Hygian fleet, one from. Uh, the Centaurans, one from the Andromedans. So I think it is the probably the Hygian one that gets busted in through here. From the outside, there's like you see a bit of an explosion, some smoke trailing into the sky, and everyone's ready just in case something bad is happening here. But all that happens that's coming from this dusty bit of debris over in the corner is some coughing. And then a, a tall figure, a tall, very buff looking figure stands up and he is dusting himself off, coughing. He is wearing a very bright outfit here. Let me see if I can grab a picture for you. Because you haven't met this guy before, but you've probably seen him. Is it, is it the Space Prince Monster Prom? Is that right? <laughs> no. Uh, no. The Interdimensional no, Space Prince. <laughs> no, please. Not him. Velvet does the best voice for him. Okay. So um, this man is wearing a pink velveteen jacket. And... <laughs> 
it has got broad lapels with gold piping along the side and uh, pearls uh, for buttons currently undone. He has got, um, let's see, the cuffs are, are folded back in a fancy style and also have pearl buttons on them. He's wearing green pants of a similar material and a green uh, vest uh, also with the golden piping on it underneath his jacket. He's got green boots as well. Looks like leather with golden soles and a very large white lace cravat around his neck. And um, he's got like a dog person head. So his head looks mostly human, but like he's wearing dog prosthetics. Oh. So he's got like a black over his nose. There's a white stripe down the middle of his face that splits around his mouth. The rest of it's brown. He's got floppy brown ears with black tips and uh, black hair swept back from his forehead. He's a mog. He's, yeah, kind of. And uh, he dusts himself off. He stands up, looks around at his surroundings, gives a little cough. <clears throat> ah, uh, good, uh, good afternoon, everyone. I seem to have stumbled into your story time. And uh, he looks down at the mess that he's caused. And behind him, there is a rippling tear in the sky that looks, when you look through it, you don't see what you'd expect to see behind him. Uh, you see what appears to be a entirely different landscape, green treed hills. And uh, he, there's a, a town or settlement of some sort far in the distance that you can just make out. He's dusting himself off. He says, ah, are you uh, looking around again? He sees the glass on the ground. And says, oh, I'm terribly sorry. I've, I appear to have made a mess, but uh, my assistants will, will come and, and clean that up. Uh, where are my assistants? Please uh, hurry up and, yes, bring, bring the cleaning through. And a few more people start stepping through this rift, and uh, one of them is holding a, a vacuum and looks down and says, Oh, geez, doctor, come on. You know you got to be more careful when you go through these rifts and starts vacuuming up the mess that the doctor made. And he shoots his, uh, reaches up, grabs the sides of his jacket and uh, adjusts and says, Yes, I am Dr. Moonlock Powerbomb of the Spook Snoops. Uh -huh. uh... Oh. I believe you're new to our region. And uh, Chains, looking baffled, uh, Haros looks over at him and like, she's giving him a look like, should I punch him? And Chains is like giving a look like, I know, not yet. So this is the Moon's Emissary, your first meeting with the rest of the world here inside the emergency. All right, so this is in the Nexus. Dr. Moonlock Powerbomb has arrived as an emissary from the wider world beyond the emergency, or within the emergency, I should say, but beyond your section of it. Yeah, he's here. He's probably going to get escorted to the Conclave Lagoon to talk with the leaders of the city. Okay. What do you think the general reactions to this are? You can have any of your characters react or just do a Voices of the City type thing. What? It's a dog, man. He's <laughs> very much a dog, man. I want to say, like, CD, like, after hearing slash seeing an explosion when Haros is doing story time, like comes rushing in carrying a gigantic sword. Uh, <laughs> yes, the artwork. Uh, but anyway, and the CDs like, Oh my gosh, I, I saw that huge explosion. What the heck is going on? Oh, there's a dog, man. What the heck is going on here? I'll be very happy to explain everything to you. Just as soon as we've finished cleaning up this mess and, I don't know, it's, are children power brokers in your land? I don't want to make any assumptions, but I should speak to somebody in charge. Oh, wait, I just realized CD looks different now. <laughs> CD does look different since waking up after the emergency. What does CD look like now? 
CD's a walking, talking skeleton now. <laughs> oh, they would be. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, after the emergency happened, CD was f- very confused because they woke up in a sarcophagus that they had not fallen asleep in. And then when they tried to open it, I, I guess maybe they were able to open it from the inside. And then they're like, oh, I am I am bones. <laughs> no bones about it. I am bones. Yes, uh, but they, they do wear clothes over their bones, especially since... Yeah, why? Why? I would, be, I would be fully skeleton all the time. Because CD is not <laughs> able to assume their gender by their bone structure. No, that's fair. I'm not People saying that, that CD is the most clothed skeleton, but... There are degrees of skeleton nudity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think this is... This situation probably gets defused. We don't have to do like a whole scene of it, but uh, I assume Dr. Moonlock Powerbomb and his entourage are escorted to the Conclave Lagoon. Uh, there's a drone that's always following him. It's just this big orb. You can see it in the picture. It's about half of the size of him. It's just got a camera in the front. So there's a camera drone always following him around, documenting everything he does uh, because he is a reality TV show star back in his own reality. Okay, so really quick question. So I know that this character showed up in one of the good old IMP shows that you ran. Who did the artwork? Um, yeah, okay. The art is done by Nick Berger. Uh, yeah, you can find them on Twitter at Double Burger, spelled B-E-R-G-E-R. Yeah, well, excellent artists. Commissions are open. Highly recommended. We'll have to. We'll have to put the art in the show Discord for everyone to see. I will. And of course, I will retweet it when this episode comes out. Yay. I'm really mesmerized by this dog, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an excellently it's evocative so piece of art. There's so much there's so much kinetic energy. <laughs> his last name is Powerbomb. Yeah, his name is Dr. Moonlock Powerbomb. Golly. Golly, man. <laughs> and it's a bit early to make contact immediately after the emergency eats you, but whatever. That's the card we drew. In a week. I just mean like in terms of game narrative. Oh. Super soft, super really bad week. <laughs> so, I am curious. I am curious to know how um how soon afterwards uh he shows up in game. It's not like next day <laughs> he shows up. I said it was about a week in a week. Like, okay, a week af- a week into the uh after the emergency came. Okay, I missed that. Uh yeah, so that's him. He goes to the Conclave Lagoon, and I think that there is you know a lot of pushing and pulling, but because transparency of information is important to us in our city, uh, the, you know, there's press releases, people talking about our new reality, what this is like. So as it turns out, you are not the only surviving civilization or community rather here in the emergency. There are many, 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 and sometimes they come into contact with each other. They brush by each other here floating in the guts of this giant parasite. And there's a sort of structure to it. Like there's not really something that you can map in a traditional sense, but there are connections between realities, between communities that have been consumed that are reliably there. And right now it's not clear if this connection to Dr. Moonlock Powerbomb's world is going to be there forever or just for a little while. But uh, it seems like one of the things that he and his reality TV show team do, in addition to searching for ghosts, is they sometimes stumble upon these rifts between worlds and go and introduce themselves and let people know, hey, here's what's going on. 
this is the world you're in now. Huh. So what is supporting your community is basically a large, it's like hardened ether. And you're basically on a big leaf or in fact, a petal as the emergency is sort of structured like a very large flower and its insides mirror that fractally as do its outsides. So it's like you're uh, on a petal attached to a bloom and those blooms are attached to a stem and the other petals are other communities that are connected to yours more closely. And the stem is connecting you to the main branch and that can connect you to other cities. Like there's ways to get around in the emergency, but it's very, very difficult to do and dangerous. So you never know quite where you're going to end up in another world. Uh, so this causes some, I would say, consternation in the city. This is a bit of an upheaval of how the world is supposed to work. So how do you think folks are reacting to this? Uh, many bananas are being lost. <laughs> I think some people are relieved that the idea that we're not alone and that maybe, oh, maybe everyone else who was outside of our, this community is all right. They're just somewhere else where we can't them right now. Yeah, there's probably a sense of hope, like maybe the rest of Hablon, maybe the rest of the fleet, maybe they're not gone. I think that there's definitely a concerted effort into finding ways to utilize the ability to, to jump between realms, for sure. Definitely. Almost as if that's the setup for your season three characters. <coughs> okay. Uh, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, I think for the most part, there's panic, but uh, that is swiftly replaced by, as we were saying, hope and um, determination. Like, if we're not the only ones who survived, we need to find them. And that means we need to figure out how to travel between these worlds safely or as safely as possible. And of course, Dr. Powerbomb offers to help and winks at the camera when he does. You can hear that they're quickly editing in a, like, spring. Horrible. Uh, the people he travels with, he's traveling with two people. One of them is a, uh, a human guy. He's tall, gangly. Uh, he's got a bit of a patchy beard, and he is Dr. Powerbomb's um, on-screen assistant, and um, uh, their pronouns are he or they, and I can't find their name right now. It's a name that is not difficult, but which I could never remember when I was saying it when I first introduced this character. Bobby Biscotti. It's not Bobby Biscotti. Are you sure that, he, that the doctor just doesn't have a new assistant? No, this is the same one. And the other person with traveling with him is uh, a bulldog wearing a baseball cap, sitting on the back of a very large incandescent beetle. And uh, that's Rex, his producer. So Rex doesn't appear on camera. Rex is the one who directs them around what they should be doing and uh, gets them the stuff that they need and orders them around and uh, flies around on the back of a big multicolored beetle. There's a talking dog. Yeah. So does that mean that build it that Maeve may try to communicate with this beetle? Definitely. I, I, I speak to all the bugs. I'm like the Lorax, but the bug racks. This beetle is, you know, a little bit surprised to find that there is a humanoid who can talk to them. But uh, once they get that, they are very happy to spend long hours complaining and griping about their job and not much else. That seems to be their primary interest. <laughs> I, I respect that. I will not indulge it, but I respect it. <laughs> Maybe just walks away. That's enough of that. <laughs> All right. I sure would love to find my... I really should have had this open, but I was not expecting to draw this card. We didn't expect to end up in the emergency, Mr. Art. Well, you know. <laughs> okay. So with this in mind, uh, we have two more official rounds, and then we can keep playing if we want or not. We can stop the game anytime we feel like we've reached a, a satisfying conclusion to it um, for now. But uh, we do have two more rounds to be led by the players who did not run the previous rounds. Yeah. Word. So who is up? The last person to go was Velvet in our previous recording session. 
it's either Trudy or myself. Yeah. Mike, uh, how much do you love me? I love you a whole lot, Trudy. Um, enough to go next? Trudy, I have no problem going next. I'll oh, do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not have a lot of anxiety about this. Trudy, you just, you just leave it to me. I'll go next. Thank you. <laughs> so what is your compass? Uh, my compass is magic. 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 All right. I'm going to type that in. So what are you going to establish in the city related to magic? Uh, I need to be reminded how declaring the compass works. Or do I just make a thing? You just say that compass is magic, and then you make a thing related to magic, and everyone else makes a thing related to magic. Um, excellent. In that case, I'm going to put a landmark in the pox cauldron. Hell yeah. All right. That makes sense to me. Do you know what this landmark is? Uh, yes. It's the Misfit School for Interdimensional Travel. <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah, it is, a, a, it is a place where the, the most magically um, oriented and gifted minds of the city come together under the tutelage of certain individuals, um, probably primary among them being Mr. Moonlock Powerbomb, Dr. Moonlock Powerbottom. He didn't go to... That's for idiot on my part. I apologize. I'm very sorry. I'm going to die. I can't breathe. I hate to be the Aspie here, but I missed that. Mike is a Dr. <laughs> Moonlock power bottom. Oh. oh. That's what he does in the evenings. Uh, are but that confirmed? Uh, I will not speculate on Dr. Moonlock power bomb's orientation or uh, predilections. Fair. Mike, why do you do these things to me? I I need to take a break. <laughs> not really, but wow. Oof. You can call oh. a hold anytime you need to. I cried. I cried every time. <laughs> so you think Dr. Moonlock Powerbomb uh, helps with uh, this school? Yeah, I think Dr. <laughs> Moonlock Powerbomb um, helps with this school. And I think, yeah, probably one of the first things they do is try to figure out how to use rift jumping uh, on a miniature scale. Okay. So what does this landmark look like? I think like the rest of the Pox Cauldron, uh, it was at first made out of uh, gingerbread and then very quickly uh, took on the, a character similar to the city in that it's just eclectic and covered in different bits of technology. It has like a mushroom part growing on it. There's some trees that come out of it uh, for easy access for people who may or may not fly or swing from high place to high place on spider webs. And okay. it's, it's just got a bunch of technology from the logistocracy and um, the centauran mines who are so inclined to partake. You know, there's probably a little miniature canal leading up to it. It's like a giant Swiss family Robinson building in the middle of, the, not in the middle of the Pox Cauldron, but not exactly out of the way either. Okay. So like the centaurans swim up the waterfall, like a la the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Now, Dr. Powerbomb does not actually know how to do magic himself, but he is magical, so that might help in uh, in how this works. I guess he does have magic powers, but not in the way that, like, he does magic. Word. Uh, so far for the for the true name, I have uh, communal candles burning, incantations, and uh, probably uh, pages flipping. Okay, sounds nice. And it sounds like it fits in pretty nicely with the rest of the Pox Cauldron. That's the myth, Misfit School for Interdimensional Travel. Thank you. We'd like to add something next related to magic. I think as in the 
you know, week or at this point, maybe weeks, plural, since the emergency came, there has been much more of a magical awakening. Like mystical stuff has been amplified quite a bit. And, you know, the world is just more magical now than it was before. Um, I would like to add a resident. All right. Trying to figure out. Are you adding Professor Chuck Heck Xavier to the magic school? Oh, actually, um, where's the maw? I'm adding... Someone to Spider Crane Park? No, it's just to the maw in general. It's just a person. Oh, you have to... Residents have to be nested in a landmark. Well, they live in the maw. So can I just label a landmark and make the resident? <laughs> and then someone could fill in the landmark later? Um, Not rules as written, but do you know what the landmark might be? Dojo. A dojo? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. Next round, I'll build a dojo. <laughs> okay. Then you can uh, you can put in the resident and we'll move the card as appropriate later. Dojo is going to be a landmark for the dairy district. <laughs> in the maw. I guess I'll put it in the maw. No, oh, Dojo is... So this character... Oh, what am I going to name this character? Well, what do they do? What are they like? Uh, I'm going to call them... Say, I want to say the sensei, but I don't mean any cultural approach. Approach... Uh, uh, you could put just teacher or... The instructor know. with a capital I. Facilitator. Facilitator. See, I would put in the master, but that sounds eh. the adept, the expert. Yeah, the 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 teacher. Yeah, there you go. With the formatting again. Their friends called him teach. I'm pressing a lot of buttons all at once. What are you trying to make happen? The big words. It's a pound sign and then space. Don't you mean hashtag? <laughs> Look, Zoomer. <laughs> <laughs> and then I skateboard away on my rocket boot. <laughs> I think the teacher's going to be he, him, because I'm uncreative. That's not true. You're super creative. You've made so many wonderful things throughout the past several years of our time <laughs> playing together. The goat so girt. Indeed. The, go uh, the goat girt. That's true. <laughs> Kella, uh, does Keva sell the goat girt at the bazaar? If you think she does, then she probably does. Probably I hope she time. does, personally. Okay, so the teacher, uh, I don't really have a name for him, but he's a gigantic sentient rat. <laughs> Golly. Like human-sized or yeah, like person larger? Size. Yeah, person-sized. Okay. Just uncomfortably large. 11 feet tall. So a rodent <laughs> of unusual size. Mm. I don't believe in them. <laughs> <laughs> A miniature giant space hamster. Yeah, so basically, uh, oh gosh, I, I think I need a real name besides the teacher, but... Well, we'll get to that, because when you introduce a character, we do a scene, right? Yeah. So tell us what scene you want to do, and what you want us to do in it, mm -hmm. and you get to be the teacher. Oh gosh, I have to try to figure out my best, my best Uncle Iroh voice. Oh, Uncle Iroh. Yeah. If you collapse Uncle Iroh and Master Splinter into one character, they become the most nicest. <laughs> That's the point. It's supposed to be like those two condensed. They were both voiced by the same uh, voice actor. So I didn't know Mako did the Master Splinter. Just in the 2000 something CG uh, TM, TMNT movie. That's tight as hell. Yeah, so. Ah. On page 28, they have some prompts for. Um, making scene requests. Okay, let me look at that. 
Well, the face cast for Dr. Moonlock Powerbomb is just uh, Sliders era John Reese davies wearing St. Bernard prosthetics. <laughs> I, I think that whoever comes upon the teacher finds him sweeping outside the dojo, which I feel like the dojo is somehow a little bit more prestigious looking than a lot of the other surroundings in the Ma. Um, but I do think that you know, he's sweeping with some sort of salvage-like piece of wood that has these fibers tied at the end, but it still works, and he's just sort of sweeping there. And I don't, I don't know who would come and visit him. It doesn't have to be a specific character. You can just say somebody comes to visit. Yeah, someone comes to visit, hearing about the dojo, and it, and it is like, oh, wow! I I didn't know there was some place like this in the law. And uh, the teacher replies. Sometimes appearances can be deceiving. Then he continues to sweep and stops and says, uh, You do not always judge a book by its cover. And then he keeps on sweeping. And then he stops again and puts a finger up and is like, puts it back down. Is he talking to himself? No. Okay. To this random person who came by and was like, Oh, I didn't know that there was this sort of thing here. But he was just sort of like, trying to think up more wise things and then he couldn't think of one so he stopped after the first two would anyone like to play a random passerby or it could be any of your characters if you want maybe mave is doing an inspection or uh, yeah sure uh, i'll also note anytime anybody says the maw in the maw and there's like any of the little rats nearby they'll go the maw <laughs> okay, uh, remind me of the character's name uh is it just uh, the teacher yeah, we're just going by the teacher right now. I'll probably think of some sort of appropriate name for him later. Dope, sounds good. So, teacher, how's the dojo doing? It is going all right. I wish there were more students, but that is the way of life. Well, I think it's a quality of a quantity issue. I think most are still working with the Lord Warlock downstairs. He kind of cocks a non-existent eyebrow there. He kind of does that eye ridge moving thing that animated characters do. And then nods and, and goes back to sweeping. And then he's like, would you like some tea? I would love some. Come with me. I have some a new tea that I got from up above the mall. Then he leans the broom against the wall and, and goes in and expects Maeve to follow him inside as he brews some tea that is definitely not hot leaf water. And I think that's where the scene ends. I'm honored to have tea with Uncle Iroh. Has <laughs> that brought you to a true name? I think he's very caring, but um, he, I think he's trying to take on this, uh, facade of the all-knowing like wise teacher but he still has a lot to learn himself mm -hmm. um so i would say for true name he's nice wise tries hard uh is he does he feel insecure or have imposter syndrome or something like that anything like that i would say there's some imposter syndrome there struggle to see yourself as legitimate yes but i think he is still learning the ropes of what it is to be a teacher okay the teacher ever learning i have a location dope i've already got it written out it's called oh, the witter the witter shins 
It is a waterfall connected to the canal system that appeared after the emergency arrived and consumed the habitat. Instead of the water flowing off the edge of the world as we know it, it instead flows up. There are many rumors about the magical properties of the water gathered from the waterfall. Whether or not these are true is yet to be seen. So there's a waterfall that goes up. Yes. Hmm, that's cool. And it comes up from the edge of the of, of the world. So right. where does it go when it gets to the top? Does it just keep going it up? Just, it just goes to the uh, Con- Concord Lagoon. Um, it's part of the canal system now. Okay. I mean, like when it goes, it goes to the edge of the world and it goes up instead of down. Does it just sort of fade off into mist as it gets higher up? Well, it actually goes up to ground level and then just joins with the rest of the water in the canal system. Oh. So it doesn't it doesn't go endlessly up in the air. It just goes goes up into uh, the canal system and just connects there. Oh, OK. That's cool. So there's definitely people that are like leaning over the edge, trying to gather water from the edge of the, the Wittershins. I love it. And you've got a true name written out here. Yes. Uh, eerie, mystical, inexplicable flowing. Do you think, does the water have any special properties? Hmm. What does everyone else think? Or if not the water, maybe the, like, strange gravity around it? Definitely. That does sound cool. I am a fan. I don't see why not both. There's something ambiently powerful about this area, and also the water has some weird qualities. Okay. We don't need to decide what those are. That's something we can explore later if we want to. Yeah. Awesome. Um, speaking of which, for the teacher, what is it about him that's magical? Like, are they, are they mystic arts that he teaches? Or is there a mystical aspect to his, like a magical aspect to his, his intellect? Why not both? I think he definitely has more knowledge than you would expect from a rat who was only uplifted a few years ago. Okay. There might be some sort of, I don't know, maybe even magical presence, you know, working through or with him even. Yes. Like Master Ugwe. Cool. All right. Does that leave me or Velvet? Have you done one yet? Not yet, but I'm still brainstorming if you'd like to go first. All right. Let me think here. Magic. Uh, let's see here. Probably make a resident because we don't have a ton of residents. Hmm. Oh, okay. I am going to make a resident in the ship in the shipyard. And this resident in the shipyard is going to be a a ship captain who is a magical being. So let's see. What should they be? Okay. Captain. What's a word that I'm I know what I want to say, but I'm just trying to think of a, a good name version of it. Are you about to fly in Dutchman us? Um maybe. We'll see. I want an interesting way to see this. Well, uh so this is Captain. I'm just gonna be stuck on this name for a while. Um, because I love making names and maybe I'll just look at my list of names because I have a big list of names so that I can get this moving along. Yeah. You know what? This is the perfect time to use this name. Okay. Oh boy. Captain Stella Cartography. Hey, hey. That's a good one. She, her pronouns. Uh, so Captain Cartography, uh, Stella to her friends used to be a map and now she is a person. Uh can I summon her by singing the map song from Dora? <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, so since the emergency came and devoured the uh, habitat, this map, uh, which was like a mapping system uh, in this, like uh, in the shipyard, like it was just a map that was up on the wall. It was like a map of the known galaxy. And she has gradually come down from the wall and just become 
like an origami person. So she's like a, a person sized person generally proportioned map that has been folded into the shape of a person paper folding style. And she has like a tricorn captain's hat on, on her head also folded from the map. And, uh, because it's a space map, it's a, you know, stellar cartography as the name might imply it's, you know, she's, a uh, black and white with uh, some other highlighted colors. Her mouth is like a uh, is like a black hole. Her eyes are stars. And she has decided that she's going to captain a ship. So she's gone out and has started um, growing and building a ship from various magical parts. And it seems like she is gifted with like blueprints, maps, anything that is a guide for how things can be or how things can be made or how space works. Anything that is like a map or a blueprint, she is gifted at dealing with and understanding. So part of her power appears to be being able to grow things uh, using the growing uh, construction materials into complicated machines. So she's using that to build a ship. And it's like, uh, it's just going to be an airship that she's building using um, big balloons and stuff like that. So that's Captain Stella Cartography. And... A scene for this one, I think I would like to have a scene where she is working on building her airship and some characters that we know are coming to make sure that this is not anything they need to be worried about. So who would like to come and check on this walking map person who is building an airship? Yarrow. Uh, I'm keeping tabs on all the magic peeps. Okay. And Yarrow is coming too as well? Yeah, Yarrow is in the area. <laughs> Love me some Yarrow. All right, so Yarrow and Maeve are coming? Hot Yarrow's in your area. (laughs) There's hot Yarrow's in your area. (laughs) Yes. Can can you record that for me sometime so it just can just be like my voicemail box message? (laughs) Did you know there's hot Yarrow's on the other side for you? Uh, And if anyone else wants, you could play, you know, people coming to watch this or people who are coming by and being like, hmm, sure, I'd love to be on a magic ship maybe potential crew members. And so I think Stella is in the midst of the shipyard and she's got uh, these materials, like she's growing this ship out of, it's like a, an airship, but the, the balloons are just like big mushroom kind of things that float above the ship. And then there's like a gondola underneath that is the, the body of the ship. Um, and yeah, this is the body of the ship and it's probably got bark style armoring on it. And the riggings are, you know, uh, fungal uh strands and filaments maybe some vines in there as well there's a tree mast all that stuff it's a very organic type of ship uh sort of in stark contrast to the captain herself and you know she has no as far as anyone knows formal education or anything like that or uh no experience being anything other than a map on the wall but she has said that she is a captain and that she needs a ship because she is a captain and a captain must have a ship so she's sitting in the midst of Okay, she's sitting on a captain's chair that she has grown. That was the first thing she grew was the captain's chair. And she's sitting on it and laid out floating in the air in front of her are a series of blueprints that either she has designed or found. And as she sits in the captain's chair, the ship is growing around her. And that is where you find her, Yarrow and Maeve and whoever else. There haven't been any permits or any permissions or anything sought like that. She just walked out of the shipyard into the open and started growing an airship. Uh, what seems to be, uh, what are you doing? She turns her head towards you. There's a crinkling of paper as she does. And uh, the black hole maw opens up and she says, I am building my ship. You're made of paper. I appear to be. I was a map once. Now I am a captain. I uh, used to be a masseuse and now I do nothing. 
I see. I do not have need of a masseuse, but someone who does nothing. That is of interest to me. Yeah, well, I figured you're probably going to attract those sorts of weirdos. So do you have a bosun? A bosun? She looks at a list that uh, unfurls from uh, the side of her chair. It's like a flap of mushroom that appears to have things written on it. As a bosun, the ship's officer in charge of equipment and the crew. I do not have a bosun. Do you think I need a bosun? I think that if you want a bosun, you got one now. What is your name? I'm Yarrow. Yarrow, you are now my bosun. All right. Welcome to the ship. <laughs> Yarrow throws a duffel bag on the ship. <laughs> Another chair uh, on the bridge, which is rapidly growing into a bridge. There's like this lattice work of uh, fungus that's building up and closing together around the bridge. And there's another uh, chair on the ship. It's not quite as grand as hers, but she says, this is a bosun chair. You may sit in it. All right. Uh, nobody ever really makes me chairs. I just usually sit in the desert and have a rock as a pillar. Do you like having a rock as a pillow? I don't suppose I ever had much cause to engage in any other sort of recreational relaxation. Perhaps it would be better to have a pillow that is soft. Humans appear to have soft skin. Perhaps their pillows should also be soft. Well, I could tell you all about the sort of skin people got. I would be interested in learning about the sort of skin that humans have. Yeah. <laughs> I love Yarrow. <laughs> I... I... I'm like, are we are we losing him from season three? Doesn't sound like it. It sounds like Yarrow is the bosun of this magic ship now. I mean, for Monster Care Squad. No. Well, there's always a time to kick up the boots, and sometimes you got to pass on what you learn to somebody other than yourself. Yep. I have many things to learn, I see. Yep. I know the stars, and I know navigation, and I am a captain. Uh, you're going to need some people skills, what to be a captain. That's... I can help you with that. I relate on an intellectual level with you and then on an emotional level with the rest of the uh, crew. Should your title be Chief? Chief Yarrow. Well, by the stars above, that's a mighty fine title. Very well, Chief Yarrow. Can you help me in finding a crew? Say there, you, you want to be on a ship what flies through the sky, Yarrow talks to a few people off to the side. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I have a good idea of this character's name now okay so captain stella cartography okay she was once a star map hanging on the wall of the shipyard after the emergency she came to life and knows two things navigation and being a captain she now builds an airship and seeks to explore uh and let's see i think it's double stars for italics did put... you decide on how she's dressed Are... she is not dressed she is a star map folded into the shape of a person wearing a tricorn hat but that's also folded paper i love it she might like get a cape or something later but for now she's just a, a folded paper person should she choose to do so um it would mean the world to me if she dressed like carmen san diego <laughs> We'll see what we can do. Answered Yarrow's thing, but I was like, my mouth is full of meat. That's probably how Yarrow would have been happy that I had my mouth full of steak. <laughs> I think anybody who eats a steak raw with their hands in public ought to be on the ship as weird as this one. Oh no, this is cooked. Oh <laughs> uh, well, all the same. And, and Yarrow repeats this process over and over again. <laughs> 
Oh, I used the wrong number of asterisks. Captain Stella Cartography, she, her, crinkling and seeking, reaching from the stars towards the earth, knowing much and little and longing for the sky. Well, she's my favorite NPC. All right. So Captain Stella Cartography has been established, which leaves Velvet. Okay. Uh, I'm going to add a second landmark to the Maw. Yeah. Hopefully the, we don't get sued, but I, I think I'm going to name it Hades Town. And it's where all the factories and forges are. All right. I, I, I got to spell it all weird. Uh, there's two <laughs> A's and a Z. It's hey, D's town. Hey, D's town. Hey, come, <laughs> come over to D's town. We'll make you some machine parts. It's like explicitly forbidden to make a D's nuts joke because they <laughs> it was made entirely too much within like the first day. Actually, no one in this setting uh, would ever make that joke. That's one of the things that's true about this. Don't <laughs> the sign says no genital jokes. So it's the center of ma manufacturing and forging at the heart of the mall. Uh, how, how else to describe it? It's magic. Yeah, it has to be magical somehow. Oh, oh, it's definitely magic. Yeah, no, it, it is magic. What's the magic stuff about it? Uh, I'm thinking that once the magic started pouring in, it was, it kind of began to coalesce around some of the, um, like gems and stuff that were mined out of the mall. Hmm. So they're being used almost like power sources, a little bit like, you know, like your classic dwarven roof crafting a little bit. Right. Like there wouldn't be gems to begin with because it's not a real earth that they're mining. So <laughs> maybe it's that oh, there true. are now gems. There are now gems. <laughs> and they're magic. They're magic. Unless the gems are from like an old mall. <laughs> a jewelry store they're excavating. Uh, Please, yes. We, 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 we have scavenged uh, we have the, the remains of, of uh, some K-jewelers. <laughs> we would have been so there, though. I'm going down to the Maw to find more shiny stuff. Let's go to the Maw today. All right, so utilizing... Uh, Canadian words. classic. To the people who hang around in the Maw, I guess they are literally Maw rats. Oh my hey, god. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. We, we've got Jay and Silent Bob down there somewhere. <laughs> There's just some rat clerks. Yeah. Gems are used as foci in, I don't know, making stuff. I don't know how to word sure. it. Make it. Yeah. Make, 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 yeah. Manufacturing creation or whatever. Love a magic gem. Always magic gems. So what else happens? Uh, true name. Gem noises. Gem, gem noises. <laughs> <laughs> Insert gem noises. Glinting. Ooh. Scintillating. Ooh. It's definitely not. It's more of a dull glow. So it's I'm, yeah. I'm thinking like dull glow. Some gemstones do fluoresce. This is true. Dull, dull glow street lights. Metal pounding. My oh, oh, oh my! I think that's a yeah. Dull glow sparks and metal pounding. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Events then. So one thing that I didn't do properly when I did my event at the first, at the start of the um, transportation round is you're supposed to, at the end of the event, put an alternate perspective or complication. So I have gone back and added that. So uh, something that is like, what's the other side of the event? So we sort of ended up with people are 
not super happy with it. It's not very popular, but they eventually are just sort of like live and let live. But uh, I have put here the Beeple, which is bee people, start to tax the city's free healthcare with unforeseen physiological issues because gene hacking is still fairly new to the people of Hablon and they are attempting to gene hack bee physiology into human physiology. And it doesn't always go super well. So oh. you see the Beeple in the hospitals a lot. Uh, I mean, so it'd be like that. It'd be like that. That's the buzz. Um, <laughs> so the, oh, Those puns are stinging. Arp. <laughs> uh, well, let's move on before this swells out of control. We are doing an uh, event now. <laughs> so, Michael, tell us uh, about your event. All the people explode. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you make me feel that feeling? <laughs> your event should be related to the compass. Cool. Oof. Uh, there start to be rift mages. Okay. So they start to be rift mages. And what does that cause? Is there like an explosion or do they open a rift to another world or does something come through? Uh, a few people who may or may not have appropriated the, the technologies uh, developed and the research um, made at the Misfit School for Interdimensional Travel uh, spread that technology around and a lot of you know just like maybe a couple dozen people begin to experiment with rift magic and actually started to manifest abilities and then you know there was just a gathering about like hey let's compare notes and then all of that ambient interdimensional energy in one place sort of created a a big pop where parts of the city that used to be there are no longer there and oh. they were replaced with a different city from a different place Ooh, oh i see I don't know what happened to those mages. No one is sure. Those particular mages. There are still others. Uh, yeah, this took place in um, in the Misfit School. Okay. All right. So I've written down the Great Rift. Rogue mages using experimental rift magic tech gather too much ambient rift energy, and there is a pop. Parts of the city are replaced with parts of other places. Delightful. What do you do? You think this changes the this alters the city? <laughs> uh, probably significantly. Um, <laughs> okay. Oh, no. I think probably parts of Pox Cauldron are gone. And so the neighborhood is very different. I think that the fundamental nature of Pox Cauldron has changed. Okay. You can edit that card and we'll do Voices of the City, I guess. Okie dokie. I want to ask a question, state an opinion, or show a consequence in a sentence or two. Voices of the City are always in one or two sentences. It needs to be illegal to obviously be able to do, do doing Rift Magic. I think as a consequence, uh, the, what is it called? The Misfit School for International Travel uh, has, like, there's suddenly a lot more official attention on it, like a lot more official pressure on it, constant inspections, and, like, that causes a lot of uh, unpleasant interactions between the people working there and the people sort of trying to run the city. And, like, you can't just be, you know, dumping this technology out for anyone to use willy-nilly you know you, you gotta this has to, there has to be a process we need to establish a process and that means until that process is established we, we're going to be here all the time watching We've got too much to worry about when it comes to the emergency why are we messing around with risks how can they be expected to make any progress with so much oversight they spend half their time filling forms when they should be casting that's Maeve you can't lie to me <laughs> <laughs> that's a different hat you get out of here <laughs> Just put on mouse ears as pretending to be one of the vermin. <laughs> no, I'm a mall rat. E. All right, I've changed the pox cauldron. Okay. So now it's pox to P-O-X-E-D. Yup. Oh, oh, God, I love it. There's a mall in there now? Yep. Hey. 
Gingerbread homes have become sheets of metal in certain places. Windows have become TV screens. Storefronts are full of animated outfits of clothing and mannequins made of sponge-like material. Are they humanoid mannequins? Not always. Okay. And completing an event. The player who declared the event is the last player to take on a voice of the city. So you do your voice of the city. And then uh, after that, you take a quick rest stop. Uh, oh, sorry. You tell us the other side. The other side of the event should complicate it. So you do your voice of the city and then you complicate it. My voice of the city is, if anything, all this uh, overhead is just going to make them go to ground. And then the complication is um, there's still the, the formal education of the, this rift magic happening in the misfit school. But now there's pockets of rogue mages teaching other people who are curious about that all over the city. Tell them to come all down right. Hades Town. We'll take them. You can type that into the event description in the uh, Misfit School if you want. Like, quick rest stop. How are we feeling? Solid. Good. Doing good. Uh, do you okay. want us to go back through and uh, add in like that second twist uh, to the other two events we had? Uh, yeah, if you want to. Uh, do we want to take a five minute break? Well, Mike still has to draw their card anyway, once everyone's back. It's me, Michael. I'm back. <laughs> Everyone back then? Yeah. Oh, wait. Kiki isn't. Only Derek is here. The chunk. I will now <laughs> determine the bad thing that happens next. They're not all bad. You got Dr. Moonlock Powerbomb. That, that was a good event? Anytime yeah. you go to say powerbomb, my heart drops because I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting to see how you're going to finish that word. It's going to happen again. Several times, if I'm going to keep saying that name. Thank you for that, Mike, by the way. <laughs> what can I say other than I'm sorry? What can I say except, except uh, I'm sorry? I'm sorry. <laughs> 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. This one. Okay. Uplift. Uplift. Lift. This is a good right. one, I'm sure. <laughs> there is friction between Maeve and the Centaurans. The friction has been ongoing. But uh -oh. uh, due to their cultural trauma around uplift and abandonment, they, especially now that there's magic going on in the world and random things are coming to life, uh, I think the Centaurans are making some like official declarations that what Maeve is doing with rats and stuff is bad and that she should be thinking this through more. And they're like, you know, Maeve. Uh, we understand that this is, you know, a way of building power and creating new communities for you. However, have you considered what's going to happen to these creatures when you're gone? So the question is, how does the city resolve this conflict or do they? Is that to Mike specifically or like to the floor? To the floor. It's just the event. Now we all deal with it. The event. Well, I mean, they have their own societal structure going on. So it's like Maeve is more supervising them. but you know they're doing their own thing and like i haven't been able to introduce uh the resident that was gonna be my next thing but you know where the swarm has the evan dowager the vermintide has lord warlock for stephanie mm -hmm. so maybe um lord warlock for stephanie becomes more of a public figure i think it yeah it may be good to like mave is mave is secretive right like i'm not off base on saying that <laughs> no that that's not an incorrect assessment of the situation. Like, I don't think too many, like a lot of people know about the Maw and like, maybe they'll come to the surface of the Maw, but I, I would say very few people know about Hades town at least. Yeah. So I think like a potential solution for this is like a show your work kind of thing. Like you might need to invite the Centaurans into the process that you are using to help get these societies going and like maybe accept help from them in ways of ensuring continuity. Okay. 
The question is, <laughs> is that something Maeve is willing to do? Uh, Maeve would absolutely be down for that, specifically, especially because Maeve also likes Decentrons and she's tight with at least their collective ships. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, Maeve would have no problem uh, being a little more transparent with at least Decentrons. Like anybody else who's snooping around, it's not their business. Keva, I think, would get into the mix a little bit because she's protective of Maeve and has kind of took on this more public figure role. Okay. And she kind of like voices in like saying, you know, I'm sure Maeve has a great plan for how they're going to their power structure or whatever, how that works if she's not there. And even so, like there's always going to be people around here that they can relate to. It's, it's not like there's other species and stuff that they can go to for help. No one's alone here. Mm-hmm. I think it does also make sense for the two, like a, not necessarily self-selected, but like own voices uh, of the uplifted to become more public figures in a way, like the Evan Dowager and, uh, sorry, what was it? Warlock Persephone? Yeah. Lord Persephone. F-U-R-S-O-N-E. F-U-R-S-O-N-E? Yeah. Where does the F part come? That seems to be for Sony. Oh, for Yeah, I can't spell. F-U-R-S-E. Yes, thank you. Okay, all right. That's kind of what I assumed, but I didn't want to. Okay. You know, Jerry is still out about whether or not Persephone is one of the uplifted or just a magic person who's a furry. <laughs> magic folk. Oh, that, that definitely a, a uplifted Radkin. All right. Mm. Well, I have a conspiracy theory voice. Please. There you go. That's all. All right. And that brings us to Trudy's round. Do you have a compass, Trudy? Yes. Um, art and entertainment. Ooh. Oh, no. Ooh. <laughs> I feel like we've got to have, you know, some good stuff out there. People can't always be thinking about what's coming around the corner. All right. And what would you like to establish for art and entertainment? I am putting a location in the bazaar. The location is called the Talking Wall. And so there were artists that were in that were in the bazaar. They used to hang their wares on the wall for people to peruse and, and trade for. But after everything that happened... Uh, with the emergency, there was one person whose masks came to life and they actually, when they're put on the wall, will talk to people. And so people come here to look at the art, but they also come here to talk to the masks. Awesome. What kind of things do the masks tell people? Um, there's probably at least one mask that is a troll. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm sure that one gives advice. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there's a mask for everything and people do buy the masks that they like. Uh, but when they're taken from the wall, they are um, no longer able to talk. So they're only masks that talk when they are on the wall. So the wall is the magic thing and it, it uh, works its magic through masks that are placed upon it. Yes. Okay, cool. I have a character for this place already. What's the true name of this talking wall? Hmm, that's a good question. I was still working it out myself. Uh, loud, bubbly, talkative. <laughs> like a chorus? Yeah, like a chorus. So chorus, um, colorful. Was it whisper secrets or speak truths, that kind of stuff? Yeah. Whispering secrets and speaking truths. That's like, you can get poetic with true names. Yeah. Oh, uh, important question. Do the features of the masks move when they are speaking on the wall? They do. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> what What is their oh, no about? <laughs> <laughs> It's just kind of creepy to me, but that's fine. I love it. We got loud and bubbly, a chorus of colorful voices, whispering secrets and speaking truths. Awesome. 
Right. Uh, Mike, it sounded like you had something in mind already. Oh, I'm ready. Okay. Uh, everyone, I want you to meet Headbutt Swan Dive. Sure. Um, this mysterious masked person hand carves and paints masks for the talking wall, always replacing the masks that are purchased by the city's other residents. They are so named because any attempts to mess with the talking wall is met with uh, are met with vigilante fisticuffs with mask-themed magic. Terrifying. They have a croaking voice. They're hooded, cloaked, and masked, and deeply respectful. I love them. <laughs> That's pretty great. What kind of scene do you want for Headbutt Swan Dive? I think Headbutt Swan Dive is, it's probably a- after hours, after probably much later than most folks are out, even though it's hard to tell with the passage of time nowadays. But uh, Headbutt Swan Dive is just sitting on a soapbox and is painting a, a recently carved uh, petrified mushroom mask in the shape of a boar. And, Can you uh, please describe what he looks like? Because I'm just curious who, what kind of person named Headbutt, what is his surname? Head, uh, they're, they're, their Swan name Dive. is Headbutt Swan Dive. They're like average height for um, humans that grew up in the logistocracy. They're not as tall as the residents of Havilon. Uh, of uh, indeterminate origin or gender, uh, they're usually slightly hunched over, but the, the, their body is very clearly lithe and uh, youthful. It, 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 lithe and uh, powerful, if not youthful. But they do have a, a croaking voice. They wear a different mask every day, but it is very obviously still this, probably the same individual, but they have a, they have a deep croaking voice. I think as... Uh... As they are carving the mask, like the masks on the wall are like watching. And this is one of the few times when the masks on the wall, none of them are making any noise, is when they're watching Headbutt Swan Dive carve. You will be a magnificent addition to the wall. You will be beloved and you will be in a home soon. (laughs) I love it. Trudy's spooked. Um, Do you feel you need more of a scene than that, or are you okay with... I'm so fine with that being it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm so creeped out right now. (laughs) Matt opened the door to weird fuckery, and here we are. Yeah, I mean, I've been warning all of you about season three for a long time now. Let's do it. (laughs) You you mean enticing us, uh, because we are ready. Here we are. Okay. Who else has got something with arts and entertainment? Headbutt Swan Dive is my new character. <laughs> oh, no. I have one. Yeah. I, I would like to introduce a resident. Okay. And uh, in Hades Town, uh, I will introduce Lord Warlock for Stephanie. She uses she, her pronouns. Uh, and she, too, is a person-sized... Why did I spell it like that? That's weird. Person-sized rat folk who is in charge of overseeing the production of the horde's assets but when she's not on the clock she runs the moss cabaret cool what's the scene here oh what is the scene it's a great question i think it's the end of the work day and everyone is just kind of you know milling about a little bit just kind of you know saying their goodbyes before they all go off to do whatever it is they do after work mm-hmm. and she is encouraging everyone to you know decompress as they need to from their shift, uh, have a drink, what have you. Do you think the teacher is here? Uh, could be. I'm not sure if the teacher hangs out by like, I mean, probably there's not much to do in the mob besides Hadestown. The teacher coming in. Gosh, is there a cocktail with tea in it? <laughs> Absolutely. There must yeah, be. There has to be. I guess it's like a hard Arnold Palmer. It's a hard green tea. It's, it's Mike's uh, hard, hard iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's here's an Earl Grey tea cocktail. Earl Grey tea, gin, lavender, honey simple syrup, and lemon juice. Okay. Is there a name for this? It's just called the Earl Grey tea cocktail. There's also a Long Island iced tea, classic. <laughs> so I guess he, he comes in and says, It is a bit warm today, so I will have a Long Island iced tea. Thank you very much. And he sits down and looks at the moth display, I guess. The lights, his head kind of tracks it back and forth. Do his students perform at the cabaret? Is that part of what they do or part of what he teaches? I can see them doing acrobats there. Acrobatics, feats of magic, mystical things. I think, though, if they do so, he doesn't like, he kind of like will go in, in a corner where they won't see him see that he's watching in case it makes them nervous but like if it's someone who really wants him to be there he'll like be front and center okay so uh do you want people to play some of the some of the workers velvet so you can interact with them or how are you feeling uh sure yeah if you'll are down So, what, sorry, what kind of work are they finishing with? Uh, so they could be do, having done any number of things. There, there are some that have to mine the gems, others that uh, kind of work to either, you know, install the gem in whatever creation. Uh, other folks kind of, you know, almost grind down the gems or melt them down to, you know, infuse it to other stuff. Uh, I'm just thinking of whatever Sandal does in Dragon Age. Enchantment. <laughs> Enchantment. <laughs> Enchantment. My favorite character from the entire series. Ditto. Definitely my favorite character from the first game. Uh, so there's a rat worker who comes in and they're taking off their protective uh, headgear that they've been wearing while doing enchantments. And uh, they're covered in this glittering dust from gems that they've ground down or broken down as part of the enchantment process. And they're like, oh, it always takes so much work and I can never get all the glitter out. I may as well just give in and have glitter all the time. You have any tips or tricks? Uh, I will note uh, for Stephanie is she's like person height, but she's uh she's thick and mm-hmm. she's got like a metal claw arm <laughs> and almost like that Bane respiratory system with the tubes. Okay. I'll get you next time, gadget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the claw. What's your wisdom when it comes to getting out gem glitter? I think the best answer I can give you is to try to work with gems that uh, have a color that appeals to you. Yo, <laughs> uh, I guess I'll have to start stop working with these emeralds then. They're trying to still dusting and patting out their uh, protective vest and trying to take it off and get it over to the uh, to the laundry. I swear, green just doesn't compliment my eyes. I heard Johnson over by the ruby is complaining about wanting to switch themselves. Maybe you could go over and haggle with them. Hey, thank you. How do the residents address her? Uh. Eh- I'm sure uh, CD and Keekers would both appreciate this. Uh, there's an odd superstition that it's bad luck uh, to say the Lord Warlock's name. So they refer to her as uh, their Lady of Ways or Lady of Means. Okay. It's like, ah, that sounds like a good, well, good advice from the Lady of Ways. Thank you. And they toddle off to go and talk to that person. Are you feeling you need more in this scene or do you think you got it? I think I got it. Oh. Yeah, we still have Kiark. Kiark. <laughs> I knew he was the better one. Uh, I think I have a name. Okay. Uh, I would say she's attentive, matronly, and maybe a little, little bit trapped in a gilded cage. Okay. To to lead is to be separate. Uh. Okay, Lord Warlock for Stephanie. 
All right, lovely. Sick what as heck. Got? I uh, finished uh, another location. I know, but it's one for the dairy district, which didn't have any locations. So, okay. Um, it is the petting zoo. A large pen open to the public where individuals, especially children, come to feed the farm animals. Some of them are trained to do tricks or give rides if they agree to. Buying and mooing, smell of hay and feed, furry faces, delighted children. That's nice. I love it. I would totally be there. <laughs> At a resident, Trudy. <laughs> <laughs> the real me. <laughs> All right, thank you. If if Kella didn't already live at the bazaar with Emrin, this is where she would live. We all know where her heart is. What else have we got? Wait, was that the round? Did we do it? Yeah, that might have been me. I was the end there. Wow, that seemed to go really fast. Yeah, <laughs> I think we got to do another one, and then we got to down pat. We got to do, got to do events first. I want to do oh, another God. round, Matt. I'm sure if everyone agrees, we'll still have time after this. But we have oh, to do yeah. the arts and entertainment event and then draw a card. Oh, gosh. See, this is the one thing I didn't consider. The event. It can be a one-time event. It can be something that is celebrated every week or every month, every year. Oh, yeah. It could be something fun. Some sort of festival. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'd like there to be a festival, but I can't think of any ideas for what it would be celebrating or, you know, promoting. Does anyone have any suggestions? The day the sun blew up. <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> Sunday. 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 Broken Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Let's let's have a festival commemorating that. Then. All right. Is it like a is it like an artistic event or is it like a parade or is it a like a Shark Week kind of thing? Um, you know, there's like a parade and in the bazaar, there's all sorts of stands and special foods. People tend to get dressed up. Okay. So it's kind of a general, you know, fun day, fun day, Sunday. Sunday, fun day. Okay. And I guess what, what is it called then? Is it just called Sunday? I love it. I want to call it the Sunday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sunday. Sunday. Okay. It's so good. Festival and parade, celebrating and commemorating the breaking of the sun. And it's mostly in the bazaar? Mostly in the bazaar. Uh, I'm sure that some of it actually, you know, goes outside of the bazaar, kind of like how um, Mardi Gras just doesn't happen in New Orleans proper. Mm. It, it kind of, you know, seeps out into the areas outside of New Orleans as well. Okay. Voices of the city. I really hope that they decorate the Express again this year and put it on a parade float. Because that was really cool last year. That's not Keva, that's just some random person. <laughs> yeah, I really that's hope Keva. That's just Keva in a different hat. That's just kind of a different poncho. He's wearing a scarf. I'm wearing right now, I have a like big off-white blanket drap draped around me, so maybe it's like that. There you go. Mm -mm. A consequence. Okay, so I'm saying like, Every time we have this festival, it takes us weeks to clean up. That's a cranky person. They're probably not wrong. <laughs> no, they're not wrong. But like, you know, <laughs> there's a strain on the sanitation system after, after Sunday. The preparations for this event and the, the waste before and afterwards is so inefficient. Damn it, Harold. I told you we were supposed to leave earlier. The festival parade always blocks the Caterpillar bus. <laughs> Very true. And I think that leaves me. Yeah. You got the last word. Why do we only have one big festival a year? We really need more reasons to celebrate. 
That's so depressing. Like more parties. <laughs> okay. And does this does this alter any of the cards in any way? I mean, other than making part of the town probably dirtier for a few weeks of the year, probably not. Yeah, it, no is a perfectly fine. Um, so completing the event. Uh, so the other side of it, most of the stuff that we've said here has been people complaining about various inconveniences. So maybe the other side or complication is something super positive about it. More parties. I'm totally down for more par- parties. Brings everyone together. Oh, yeah. Despite all the complaining, everyone has a good time. All right. I had one of my my weird things pop in my head. Just have a being like, hi, everyone. I got you truffle salt to use for Sunday. Hey. <laughs> All right. Is it, is it card time? It's card time. Oh, boy. Because I am extremely fearful. I believe in you. All right. I'm going to click it and delete it. Got okay. this. Unfamiliar environments. This was, this was a long time coming, honestly. All right. Let's see here. New wildlife continues to emerge from stasis beneath this part of the city. But the wildlife that's coming out are not adapted to the current climate. How does the city work to accommodate them? What is the current climate, Matt? Kind of like, it's still kind of like desert-ish here. Oh, so we got penguins and polar bears coming out. It could be that, yeah. It could be like, you know, frogs and stuff like that too. Animals that are not particularly suited to a desert environment come out into fantasy nevada probably like we have to turn to the logistocracy or the centaurans for uh, you know some some biodome tech so they don't all die build this giant biodome to put all these creatures in just like now everyone can go visit them or more dangerously people get their hands on the stasis pods Mm -hmm. try to put them back or maybe the pods go missing okay yeah, some nefarious scenario took those pods. Oh, well, they're gone forever. Don't go looking for them. Yeah, it was Maeve. <laughs> it was, it was Maeve. Oh, okay. Maeve. Little scamp. Yeah, and so logistocracy and centaurian engineers work to set up biodomes to emulate the native habitats of these creatures. Some of the stasis technology goes missing from beneath the city. All right. You want to go another round? One more? I'm down. Sure. Yeah, one more. All right. One more round. Who's running this time? I elect Matt. Matt. Okay, I can do it. A compass for a last round. Well, should be something that will help us catapult into the third season. So I think, okay, so we've had transportation, industry, spirituality, magic, art and entertainment. Okay, the compass for this round is outreach. Ooh. So how do we get in touch with other worlds and how do we negotiate with them how do we reach these kids yeah jaime escalante is sucked through time and space i think i am going to establish a neighborhood i don't actually i don't know if i should establish a neighborhood in the last round i'll add to it maybe uh well someone still has to make the dojo don't forget so mm. that's probably we'll have to figure out how the dojo is related to outreach on for whoever wants to do that i'm doing that so i then Okay. Unless someone else really wants to. No, no me importa. Okay. Uh, I'm going to put a landmark in the honeycomb dirigible because it doesn't have any yet. And this kind of makes sense to me. So this is uh, the, okay. So this is sort of built into the, into the, into the hive, uh, or maybe built on top of the hive or maybe, hmm, no, I think it, it uh, is slung from the bottom of the hive. So this is like a, a platform area that's uh, hanging from the bottom of the honeycomb dirigible. So it floating around up there gives people a good view. 
And I think this is, I'm trying to think of a good name for this that doesn't have any implications that I don't want. The Wayfinder's Guild. So this is a platform hanging from a honeycomb dirigible. And it is, I think it, it clashes with this neighborhood because this is a, a fairly, like there's a residential area on the honeycomb dirigible. But uh, for the most part, it's like an infrastructure thing. It's where all the big bees are. So the Wayfinders Guild is established in this area to make it easier for the members of this guild to come and go. And the Wayfinders Guild is established to basically find people who have the particular set of skills needed to go out and find rifts, find connections to other worlds, go to those worlds. And essentially they're trying to find the rest of Hablon and, you know, they'll need to negotiate with the people along the way and help people and set up relationships and build infrastructure and transportation between realms. So it's like almost an adventurer's guild, but without the colonialist implications of, of traditional adventuring. Like they're not going to go to places, solve everyone's problems and save them. They're going to go to places and, you know, potentially help the people there, but mostly going there to being like, can you help us? Can you help us find the rest of our people? So it's this platform. It is, um, okay, a place where can meet to plan out expedition. I don't like the word expeditions. I guess I'll just say plan out missions to other worlds or to find how to access those worlds with the goal of reconnecting the missing parts of our community and creating new connections with other communities. Uh, and the true name of this place, I think, is solemn yet optimistic with a, let's see, energetic conversations, kinetic movement, both through the sky and the imagination. All right, that's the Wayfinders Guild. And that's enough time of me talking to myself. Who else would like to go? Almost done, so I could go. But anyone else want to go first? No, feel free. Uh, I'm still brainstorming. If you got to go for it. Okay, so as stated before, I was going to create this round, the dojo. Uh, before the emergency, it was a place of learning acrobatic and mystic arts, but more recently, it's a place for altruistic individuals to recharge and meditate on how to help their communities and just, you know, recharge from helping. Um, so far for the true name, I have spirited, I think I'm going to say eclectic. I misspelled that because I can't spell because I am almost dyslexic. Uh, I'm going to go with melodious and fast. Trying to think if there's any sort of taste here. Uh, wafts of tea on the breeze. Ooh, and wind chimes. Wind chimes. Oh, I have to say, I did. It, I, guess, I guess wind chimes is not all one word. Oh, it was. It's one of those things that feels like it could be all one word. Mm -hmm. Baby. Baby. Hello, baby. Yes, he's here now. He's pretending to talk on a phone, but it's actually just a phone case. What? Oh. My goodness. I've been hoodwinked and bamboozled. Wait. Yes, that's how you say hello in Dongwen. Very good. I was going to say, don't be afraid to teach your children more languages even if you think, oh, that's other world, that's 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 not American or Canadian or whatever. Teach them it. It's good. My grandpa wasn't taught Italian because his parents thought that, and we all mourn that to this day. Mm. 
All right. So you've got the dojo there. All set. A home for the teacher. Recharging and meditating on how to help their communities. Cool. Oh, no. You dropped your pretend phone. Who else has got something to add here? I'm thinking and putting something together. It'll be another minute. I think I have something. It's a landmark in the spaceport. Okay. It's the Free Realms Commission, which I think is an association of people who have come together in the spaceport who are deeply invested in... Uh, like the like the Wayfinders Guild, except uh, these people are a less than above board association. Okay, and they um, probably use the the rift jumping uh, magitech to not necessarily plunder, but to go to explore and to to learn without any sort of over oversight. Ah, capitalists. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> I was thinking more like interdimensional pirates, but... Ah, uh, yeah. Well, what are pirates if not free-range capitalists? There we go. <laughs> we all saw the Captain Quartermaster videos. We know the drill. <laughs> Those are good videos. He really wants to eat the microphone. Oh, it'd be like that sometimes. Yeah. wonder what cats taste like. Um, I don't know. Maybe someone with synesthesia would be able to tell us. Hmm. Maybe different podcasts have different tastes. I'd have to assume. Like, I'm sure this podcast doesn't taste the same as cereal. Well, we don't know that. <laughs> Part of me wants to say that this podcast either tastes like cheese or sand. Not something I'd want to combine. No. Yes, those are my headphones. Thank you for checking them. Okay, uh, I have something. So Mike, did you finish your card? Oh, sorry. No, no that's problem. okay. That's uh, fine. I'll read what I have in just one moment. So the Free Realms Commission is an association of individuals deeply invested in the exploration of other realms using rift-jumping Magitech without any of the oversight of the city's government or the involvement of the above-board wayfinders. The true name is Piratical Planning, Interdimensional Crackling, and Radio Chatter. Excellent. Sorry, Trudy, please go ahead. Yeah, um, so I've got also in the spaceport, uh, the tower, located... Um, Near the edge of the spaceport, the tower is a cloister of technophiles, dreamers, and scientists working together to achieve one goal, establishing permanent long-range communication with the other petals of the emergency. Nice. And its um, true name is Hard Work Powered by Enthusiasm and Optimism. So it's definitely a place where everyone gets together, shares ideas, and, and tries to make them come to life no matter how impractical they are. Sounds like fun. Yeah. I love it. Solid. All right. I do have one uh, along the veins of some of the ones we've introduced, but pl please check me if I feel like I'm 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 adding too much to the maw. But I think uh, I'm also gonna do like a like a tunnel explorers type guild, or not so much a guild type, but um an experimental like portal system. Oh, the tunnel snakes. Oh no. I mean, tunnel snakes do rule, but so I think I'm gonna add uh the labyrinth dance magic dance yeah yes jeroth is in charge of it um i had a friend are. who for some reason hated the labyrinth and was terrified of him well i mean i mean i mean yeah i'm not gonna come down one way or the other on that topic currently but i i get it Th that's fair right so i i think the labyrinth is an experimental portal almost like um kind of like the eldar uh webway that's a uh, being it's kind of like a collaborative effort between uh you know some of like the the engineers and like outcast rift mages right oh now that you said that i have as the world falls down stuck in my head 
I mean, it'd be like that sometimes. Yeah, Rift Mages from the Misfit School. Um, and like that it'd be. Yeah, but I would say uh, for the Labyrinth, it's more of a, um, it's less of a let's go make friends and more of a let's go snoop on what everybody else is doing. <laughs> we're literally an underground intelligence network. We're the snoopers and we're I, snooping. I, 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 mean, I mean, if you want to call it that. And then where's my asterisks? I think the name is going to be Obfuscating Silent Steps and Whispered Words. I think that's it. That's pretty cool. Oh, Tinks. Okay. Uh, so that means it's event time. Mm, I guess it can be pretty straightforward here. The event can be the first mission. Ooh. A group of people are dispatched from. Okay. So the Wayfinders Guild, they send out a group of people to explore through the still open rift between our world and Dr. Moonlock power bombs. And there's like a big fanfare as they set out. Uh, you know, they, they have to take uh, sort of like a hovercraft. Maybe they just take some of the bees with them, like one of some of the larger bees to carry them in their gondolas. Yeah, and they fly out there. No, they don't even need to do that. These are these are cool experts who do badass stuff. So I think each of them, they have a bee and the bees come. Yes, the bees come and they grab them like around the shoulders and torso with their legs and then lift them up. And it's like a jetpack, but it's a bee. That's so sick. And they fly them up through the rifts into uh, the other world. And shortly after they leave, the rift closes. And that's the event. The first expedition, uh, the first mission, and the closing of the rift. Oh, wow. What are voices of the city here? This is a big expense, of course, mounting this mission. Into the unknown. Into the unknown. That's exactly what plays. Into the unknown. Uh, now it's going to be stuck in my head. Sorry. <laughs> well, I bet that's the last we see of them. Do you think they're going to come back with like, like tentacles or something? I think as a consequence with um, public attention being on the Wayfinders Guild, the, uh, the rogue rift jumping mages redouble their efforts because they're being hedged out. I could probably do an actual one instead of singing. <laughs> singing was useful. I don't know about you. I can hit the notes on Into the Unknown. Gotta give me that. No, I that mean, was I, impressive. You no, did no do one it. can take that from you. I don't know if I could do Let It Go, but it's one of my songs that I sing in the car when I really want to sing in the car. You gotta, sometimes you just gotta belt. So you can have a question, a consequence, or an opinion. I think the consequence is a lot of the bees are sad because their friends left. Bees? I think there's reduced bee service. Oh, the bees are depressed. Yeah. Why not just have the people be the wayfinders? They can fly themselves up. <laughs> oh, my God. Extra doctors. Okay. Uh, so I'll do last. Last okay. card. State an opinion. Um, okay. So a question. Okay. Uh, a question is, where will this rift open if they open it again? People have. Good question. That's a solid question. I don't think you need to alter anything in the city as a result of this. So after the event is finished, the event's other side should complicate it at a new point of view that came up during the conversation or one that was previously unconsidered. Okay. I think that shortly before the rift closed, there were some readings indicating that something also came in, but <gasps> nobody knows what it was or where it's gone. I dig it. Good. I'm sure we don't have to worry about that. No. All right. And uh, I guess it's time to draw a card. Pillar. Okay. <gasps> Kaiju. A pillar forms from this new community. What is it like? What does it do? So a pillar is a giant creature like Ubasi. 
and they emerge as new communities form and grow. So before there was a pillar, like a, a mega pillar, a giant one for each uh, city in each sector of Gov's domain. But this city hasn't had one until now. So a giant creature that is like a chimeric combination of uh, existing animals emerges to somehow uh, replicate, I say replicate, um, reflect the values of the city here, of the community here. In some way, this great creature is connected to the needs and desires and loves and wants of this city. So what is it? Oh, we're all going to say like one animal part. Sure. Or we can start that Baseline way. Baseline Capybara, the shepherds of Australia. Okay. They are friend shaped. All right. Like a, oh, I have caps lock on. That's why. That's supposed like to be like, giant. we have a giant moth part or we have a Mickey Mouse part. <laughs> <laughs> I meant wombats, actually. Wombat, no, wombat, or solid. wombat instead. Like a giant wombat. Okay. A chunky boy. As long as it is fat and invites other creatures into its burrow. Okay. Anyone who knows me knows what I'm going to ask for. A possum. Either a little pocket or uh, a wormy tail. Oh, it's got to have a giant wormy tail. Yeah, why not both? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Just going to see a big marsupial. I'm all about it. Marsupials are great. So I think, well, I know what it eats then, because like possums eat ticks, which are, you know, parasites, right? So I think the possum feed, this giant creature feeds on things that we will start seeing in season three. Yikes. Um, What else? What other animal parts do we like? We've got wombat, a chunky, large and inviting, with a pouch and a tail like a possum. Elephant trunk. Oh, Elephant trunk. Yeah. Okay. Goat or ram's horns. Okay, ram's horns. Anything, any other ideas springing to mind or that you want to have in this creature, in this pillar? Uh, I think, uh, though it protect, uh, it also attack. So it should have, like, honey badger limbs. Oh, no. Okay. It'd be scratchy. All right. Big, cute feet with heckin' long claws. <laughs> Maybe they, I'm sure they can sheet them in some way. Okay. Oh, that looks good. That. Uh, I would also like to add that uh, should they feel threatened, they do the re- the red panda thing where they T-pose. <laughs> oh, yes. I think they are bioluminescent. Oh, sick. Tight. <laughs> Giant lighthouse. Yeah, they've got different ways that they glow. Maybe it's like a mood glow or maybe it's part of their... Yeah, they, they glow in different ways. They're luminescent in different ways. So when it's dark, they also can provide some light. I guess Yarrow has a job again. <laughs> Yarrow's a bosun. Yarrow's the chief on a mushroom sky ship. Uh, don't worry. I have another have another uh, monster care specialist in mind. Okay. Is another. There is another specialist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is a, obviously it's friendly, welcoming, uh, defensive of the city, takes care of people. What do the people of the city do for the pillar? You wash it. Oh, good day. Everyone goes and hugs it. Okay. Grooming, hugging. Started by Keva. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else that the people of the city provide to the pillar? Space, probably. To have a just, it's horrible burrow. <laughs> In awful, like it fills us with awe. Hmm. But like, ooh, ooh, awe, without the E. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ooh, ah. All right, so we got our creature. Does uh, does this pillar live in a burrow, or is it an above-ground kind of thing? I, I want it to be subterranean, personally, but... I, I am a fan of it being subterranean. 
I mean, not super deep underground. No, just a burrow where it sleeps. I'm sure it's out and about during, yes, I know, during the day. Not nocturnal, like a... All right, and that is the final story beat of the game. Woo! So, all right, we did it. Game is sick. Breaking my microphone. Yay! That's, uh, I'm sorry, did you say street magic? Let me just check to everything closed here. So I'm just going to make sure that I'm not missing. Is there an ending the game thing that I'm missing here? Let's see. Once the table feels ready to wind down a session of, I'm sorry, did you say street magic? You should play one final round to finish the game. Okay. Before you begin this round, check in with each other. What questions are still unanswered? What aspects of the city do we want to see more of? Look at the list of compasses that you've explored so far and events that are on the table. Everyone is gravitating toward one particular theme or idea. Consider selecting that to be the final compass. Otherwise, let the final round of play be a free-for-all without a specific compass. Play travels around the table clockwise as in a typical round. During the final round, players may opt to create a neighborhood landmark resident as normal. However, since no player chose a compass, any player may instead create an event for their final turn if they so choose. Oh, should have known that one. Uh, if an event is played during the final round, only the player who created the event takes on a voice of the city. Keep it brief, since there might be multiple events in this final round. Events played during the final round can resolve unanswered questions, but they may also be used to introduce last-minute complications or mysteries. Please don't break After up. the final player takes their turn, the session is over. Take time to debrief, go around the table, and highlight specific aspects of the session you enjoyed, and thank everyone for their time. Okay. So, um, just as a, you know, spoilers, we will be coming back to... I'm sorry, did you say Street Magic? We'll probably do a round every once in a while during downtime of uh, Songs for the Dusk to build out new things that have happened in the city uh, as the city and settlement continues to grow, which it will. So we're not done with, I'm sorry, did you say street magic, but we are done with our initial city building uh, of this game. So I guess we'll go around the table and debrief. Highlight aspects of the session that you enjoyed and contributions from your fellow players that delighted or surprised you. Anyone have any fun feedback you'd like to share about that? I loved everyone's NPCs. Yeah, there's some great ones. <laughs> I was a huge fan of the talking wall. It's so great. It's so fun. <laughs> it's so good. Mm -hmm. It's an excellent idea. Ooh, bless you. It brought some uh, eeriness as well as uh, as building on the magical aspects of this of the city. I still really enjoy the caretaker from the first session that we did, especially the hat. I think is I can't stop thinking about that it's hat. So cute. That hat. <laughs> I mean, um, is there a way to just say everything? I mean, it was just really fun having other people to bounce ideas off of. Uh, this isn't something that I've done since, and I'm sure I'm dating myself. When I was in high school and I used to write fanfic with one of my best friends, like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really get to do this kind of collaboration very often. So It's fantastic, yeah. Yeah, and... Thankfully, it had 100% fewer jellied eels than the last time I did it. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Uh, I was happy to see the uh, season one and two characters kind of showing up as uh, residents of the city in interesting ways. As uh, I liked the Keva and Emrin stuff that we got into when the when Emrin built them or when uh, Mike when he built the machine shop there. That was a nice surprising moment. For yeah, me. it was nice. Surprising that Keva uses puns in everyday life unsurprising not that part that's not surprising in the slide that that is per the course the uh the dairy infused flirting really got to me <laughs> <laughs> i 
Okay. Well, in that case, thank you everyone for your time for coming out to play this game and, you know, trying something new, a little different from what we're used to. Uh, I think it was a great success. Very fun. So much fun. And thank you to Caro Assertion for making this game and uh, such a great way to evoke the imaginations of, uh, of everyone at the table. So as we close out here, I want to acknowledge that this podcast is produced on the stolen territory of the Katesi, Coquitlam, Stalo, Kwantlen, Staminas, and Musqueam people in the treaty land of the Tawasan First Nation. I'll once again call upon everyone to support Indigenous land protectors and Indigenous people in any way that they can. Hashtag Settler Saturday is a great way to give directly to people in need. I've been Matt. My pronouns are here they. You can find me on Twitter at Ycaliber, follow the show at Broken Sun RPG, or visit our website at brokensunrpg.com. Today I've been joined by Keekers. Ooh, everyone, it's me, Keekers, also known as Space Cat. My pronouns are she slash her. Um, and today I was one of your city planners. I was glad for all of you to join us and for my fellow players to join us with lots of fun, friends. Also joined by Michael Blood. Thanks everyone for listening. It's been me, Mike Blood. My pronouns are they, them. You can find me on Twitter at GoodsterBlood if you're so inclined. Today I was uh, one of the city planners and I got to use one of my favorite voices for Headbutt Swan Dive. Catch them in season three. Very creepy. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And joined by Trudy. Hi, my name is Trudy. Uh, My pronouns are they, them, and uh, had a lot of fun playing tonight. And finally, we're joined by Velvet. Thank you all so much for joining us. Um, I've been Velvet, Monster Enthusiast, and City Planning Funderkind. Please address me as such. My pronouns are Fayfair, and you can find me on the interwebs at OJ Brown Sugar, where I also talk about monsters in Hades Town. Yup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have yet to name our city, but I'm sure it will come up once we think about it. So until the next time, when we start with our session zero for season three, all the best. All the best, folks. All the best. All the best, y'all. Arachnids. Space arachnids. Space arachnids. Okay, I gotta deal with this child who is trying to break everything in sight. Good luck.